The Speaking Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Flemington Car and Truck Country. Best car buying experience ever online at Flemington.com. Award-winning House of Cupcakes, HouseofCupcakes.com, and Casa Gennaro's. Reservations, call 609-683-1212. Hey guys, Bill Spadia here for Speaking Podcast with my co-hosts Jay Black and Jessica Gibson. Now, we are recording this today on Super Tuesday. Super. Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Now, as a lover of politics, I love Super Tuesday. Right. I especially love it because my guy's in the White House, and it's the other guys that are scrambling to figure out who is going to face off with him. Quick question. Shoot. If it's Mike Bloomberg. Yes. And Trump loses. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you don't, you like Trump a lot, but are you super sad if it's Mike Bloomberg. Or oh, kind of, yeah. They are total opposites. Are you, there's not a party that goes, well, this guy actually made a lot of money, so like maybe I he'll be good. I would rather see Bernie. Than, than Bloomberg. Than Bloomberg. Really? Yeah. Because Bernie, at least, is an outsider who represents real people. I don't think his policies are right. workable. I mean, I, I think he's a communist. So his policy, but, but even as a communist and wanting to redistribute the wealth, you're only going to get that so far as a president. I actually think Bernie sincerely is saying, I think I know how to help working people. Okay, just, I don't agree with that. I think he's way, 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 way I'm just way curious off. because it yeah. seems like Bloomberg is like Trump if Trump was good at business. Like it's very see it devolved all that's already. not devolved. I'm just saying that no Bloomberg is worth like his whole career times with Trump. Yeah, but it's not about business success. Look, a lot of people are good no, at something. Kinda. No, no, no. You can be. It's what I learned in real estate. My career in real estate, 14, 17 years, whatever I did in real estate, that most of your great salespeople were not your best managers. Right. People have a skill set, and I think that Bloomberg has a skill set in business. I think he's a tough son of a bitch. But as a mayor, I just he got bored so quickly, and all of a sudden he was legislating uh, the morality of obesity. And I think it was, and then and then he got the legislature to go along with giving him a third term, right? Which I thought was outrageous. So I I, I have a dislike of him. And Bernie, I've watched. There's a crossover, believe it or not, between Bernie and Trump. Oh no, I I see it. It's the amount of Russian bots. Yeah, here that, we go here on we go. Twitter. <laughs> Well, Jessica, no, how did this happen? But it's true. They, we were supposed to not talk politics. It no, was so much worse before you walked in. I was like, wow, Jay's oh, really fired up. That he is fired up. Are you fired up? Are you Now, I'm, I, I don't know where you stand. I stand with the president, and I'm proud of it, and I will talk about it. Right. But I'm not sure where you are on the Democratic side. So here's the thing. I, I will vote for a tomato with a smiley face I over Trump. That. Okay. So I don't think you're going to get the tomato with a smiley face. No, I think that his politics are too centrist for, uh, <laughs> for the, well, the, for the tomato- country right now. The country needed change, and the establishment needed a kick in the what, ass. What's, uh, and what, that's what they got. Was it Hoover? Who was the uh, president who ran on a return to normalcy? That was uh, somebody's, uh, uh, like in the 20s. Trump. No, no, no. And that's what we got. No, a return to normal. <laughs> that's why I'm happy. But it's not been normal. This has not been normal. It is normal. And I, as a neoliberal or whatever they want to call me, like somebody who just wants to go back to like, you know, everything being okay and not being scared every day of like, well, is today the day the, you know, nuclear war happens? But you know what though, Jay, seriously, nobody thinks that. Yeah, I think a lot of people It's do. just like coronavirus. So Eric Scott went on a cruise in the midst of this whole coronavirus thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nobody's wearing masks. Nobody yeah, but he's about a it. robot, so he doesn't have to worry about it. <laughs> it's probably half as crowded, though. No, he said it was packed. It was full. Really? It, what the media is talking about is not what's happening in reality, and that's the problem. That's why this got started, because I was like, 
the weather's going to be nice and the coronavirus is going to go away. And yeah, it's going to peak in the no, next couple of months. Yeah, and then he I, brought up the Spanish Spanish flu. Same thing happened. So the Spanish flu hits in the winter of 18. And they say the same thing. When the summer comes, it'll be fine. And it was. And then in the uh, fall of 18, it came back. And the, the highest death rate was October of 18 with 200,000 oh, people. Have, but remember, we went through bird flu. Oh, no, went I, through listen, all these. I remember going through Ebola when they had people scared they were going to start bleeding out of their eyes. I just so, looked up Zika and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Zika in there so, since like 2015. Here, here's the problem I have when you are trying to figure out the safest place to be yeah. in an opinion. Uh, negative is the best place to be. Like, for instance, I figured this out with uh, you are 100 percent right. So, like, I figured this out with like uh, for the worst, hope with, for the best. Well, we, yeah, with with uh, with sports, uh, I would I'd listen to people talk about the Eagles and they'd be like, oh, the Eagles are going to lose this weekend. Mark my words. And I realized on Monday, if the Eagles had won, everybody was so happy about they don't it. care. They don't care. If the Eagles lose. Then you get to see. See, I was right. So this is why I am completely opposite. But no, I think saying don't worry about the Zika or the the uh, coronavirus is Can the you? safe place to be. No. Because when society falls not apart, we're going to be so concerned with like not dying oh, that I no one's going to say Bill said. No, total opposite. You say, I, I disagree. I'm getting I, hammered from everyone I work with saying, you better be careful. You are literally telling people this is not a big deal. And I said, yes, based on evidence and facts. I looked at what the CDC had to say. I looked at the reports on where this is. You look at how this happened. If you pulled out, because now I have all this time mm -hmm. not being on Twitter. Sure. So I went through all the numbers in Wuhan and Hubei. Two places I didn't know existed until this. Yeah. And wait, I wait, wasn't out, Wuhan and Hubei uh, Saddam Hussein's children? His kids. That's I believe, exactly what it sounds like. I believe that those were his kids, yeah. But if you pull out those deaths, which is numbers around 2,980 as of this Super Tuesday, and you isolate to the 212 that happened outside, you're like, the mortality rate goes back to a flu-like mortality rate. 0.1%? And what? It, flu is 0.1%. Outside of Wuhan and Hubei, it's 0.16 for um, coronavirus. But we now, don't, you could argue, oh, my God, that's 50% more. But I would say that we don't know what they're testing for, though, right? Well, not only that, we don't know how many people were originally infected in China. There's no way the numbers come out of China. Like people think, oh, my God, it's spreading like wildfire. I'm like, no, I think the reporting is catching up. Well, I think that the reporting was not being done they correctly. Honest. Yeah, they weren't no honest. So we don't, we don't know how many there are. We will never know. And we just know that people are getting sick in Iran and Italy and well, all it's these places. Italy is one of the top travel destinations for Chinese nationals who yeah. travel to Europe. Italy is one of the top. So it didn't surprise me. And the difference is the Italians, like they're like, eh, don't worry about it. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying don't you worry about it because the CDC actually has this one. Johns Hopkins came out with a study uh, literally just the last couple of weeks saying we are the most prepared country in the world for a pandemic. And I think it's showing. I think the Canadians are prepared. We're prepared. I'll put it to you this way. I hope you're correct. And well, if, if you're, I'm not correct, I'm going to look terrible. Well, you'll be dead. So it won't matter. <laughs> I think people live in this weird fantasy of like a zombie apocalypse. And yeah. they secretly want it. No, I love watching I those documentaries. Though. I don't think anybody right? anybody wants it. I, think, I do. I think people look at their miserable lives and are like, I'm pissed off about this, that, and the other thing. If there's something bigger to worry about, it's way easier for me to point to that. I, Not I, most people, but the naysayers. I think that what people are tend to do is they like the QAnon morons, you know, like the like. But that's all crazy but, stuff. But if you Twitter. look, 
the the amount of people that have said that this is a Bill Gates funded super virus yeah, that silly. but that stuff becomes real. But Jay, I'll tell you the media is complicit in the panic. I I, I watch these headlines and end up rewriting things to make sure we're but being accurate. What, so for example, you could easily say nine deaths in America coronavirus spreads. Mm-hmm. Or you could say out of 3,200 deaths in the world, only nine in America. And guess what? They were all in nursing homes, people who had compromised health. Right. The two headlines are the same fact, completely different. The, the That's pro- my issue. The There's problem is. too many characters in the second one. There's too many characters yeah. in the second It's harder to be accurate. The, the problem right? is profit-driven uh, news media. Like when, when it was done as a, uh, like a prior to Reagan, uh, D, uh, what do you call it? Uh, regulating the news i think it was easier to say like well we're just going to be neutral about it because we can't make any money i don't buy that it's been biased but forever no, we but just it, see it now because people tweet it's it's biased it, you know for, I mean, look at the bias in the news with the vietnam war I, i've said this it's one of the reasons why i do blue friday during the vietnam war and you could argue what the hell are we doing there how do we not pull it out was dumb to be before? there but the idea but we could argue the finer points of that but if you've got Every day on the news, I'm going to show you one face of a dead service person. You will drive public opinion. However, on the other side, if we had just bombed the shit out of them more than we did, we could have won that war, but we chose not to. So I'm saying it's the same thing with cops. I do this all the time, right? There are, there are 40 million interactions with police officers every year. There are 12 million arrests every year. There are a million cops on the street. There are like seven things that go awry. If every day on the news I showed you one job one hero cop after another the narrative would change so i contend the media has always been biased i don't mind the profit but i think the government should do a better job of reporting their own stats i mean i I would agree with you on that i just in general cdc should have their own channel yeah that's why i don't think everything should be running through no and they should yeah which is why i like twitter long and short for me we should probably move on Oh, uh, because Casey? this is we, we sorry yeah we we went a little long on we're this. blaming you jay we went 10 minutes long on it yeah so let's just i think this could be its own podcast but we're gonna flip to mike casey right we have mike casey uh why do you pronounce it casey because i like annoying for him. years i used to think it was mike k period i know K-C i enjoy period. uh making mike casey upset he corrected me so I know, it it's felt like it's c-a-s-e-y like casey at the bat yeah but i say mike casey because i'm a dick so uh, <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I thought it was Mike KC. Right. That's so how like, it hey, is in my phone. Uh, Mike KC, yeah. right? But, but apparently it's not. It's KC. So he is to Bernie bro liberalism what you are to Trumpis, Trumpism. You know, like he's. He the, loves Bernie. Yeah. You are like, you are so we red. We both hate the elites. You're so red, you're bright orange. And he's so blue, he's actually uh, aquamarine. But so, I'm no longer, I'm not a, he's not a Democrat, and he, I'm not a Republican in that sense. You're both true believers. Like, you, you not both. Not ideologues, though. And I don't know that my kid, he may be more of an ideologue. But, you, but you're true believers in the movement. Like, you think that Trump is leading a movement that is changing things. Uh, and because you're not a Republican anymore so much as you are a Trump. I'm a registered Republican who likes Trump because I think Trump is practical. Trump but, would have been a Democrat if Romney had won in 2012. Let me put it to you this way. If, like, tomorrow the Republican Party said, you know what, we're done with these George F. Will types. We're going we're gonna to move to, there's Republicans and Trumpists. You're a Trumpist. Oh, without a doubt. Right. Okay. So, because I'm a 
pragmatist and a practical thinker. But if like I don't color everything with ideology, if the Democrats split into, you know, Democrat, like old school Wasserman Schultzes and also Bernie bros, Mike turns into a bony Bernie bro. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think that's what I'm saying. It's like you guys are on both well, ends. He, he's in for a rough night, I think, tonight. Now, we don't know until you talk to him. Well, I don't know about that because there's so many people that voted early. So I don't know how it's going to shake I'm out I'm going to predict Bernie wins California mm-hmm. and Biden squeaks out and ekes a victory in Texas. Does Biden get into the uh, viability in California? Does he get 15%? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Does oh, anybody uh, else absolutely. get 15%? Does Warren, Buttigieg, no, I, Klobuchar, or Bloomberg so get? So Buttigieg and Klobuchar both endorsed um, Biden, Biden after yeah. they dropped out. But they're still on the ballot, and there was early voting. So, no, I think the I think only Biden and Sanders survive. Does Bloomberg Maybe win Bloomberg. any states? He wins no states. No, he doesn't he does win like delegates. Arkansas because he's been like spending big time in Arkansas. Doesn't win one state, but and he as does established get by the last podcast, a lot of idiots in Arkansas. As established by Jay Black's opinion of Arkansas, I'm a big fan of Arkansas. If you're in Arkansas, I'm surprised you're listening to this because of the uh, acuity it takes to actually download a podcast and listen to it. I almost want to play this in a club in Arkansas. I'm I would say saying, the same thing. I know I'd you right would. Out of it. They and they play all, you know what you they do? You know what I have to do in Arkansas? I'm going to tell you right now. The number one thing I do in Arkansas is talk slower. Because their brains, this one million percent, they're mushy. Jessica, I think Twitter has changed, Jay. Yeah. I'm just being honest. Spent too many time looking at Karen memes today about essential oils. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm done. I hate uh, Karens and essential oils. What does that even mean? The Karen meme? No, you don't know the Karen meme? Karen? It's a, I'm not on social media you know anymore. What? Why don't we save that for the next podcast? Who is Karen? I'll show you. How long get, have we just gone? With like 45 minutes. 13. 13 minutes. How long is your conversation with Mike KC? Uh, probably Seven? 20. All right. So yeah. let's toss to that. So let's see if I'm right on my predictions. And yeah. let's hear how Mike Casey is doing after Bernie's great or disastrous night, which we're going to find out in a few hours. Sounds good. I'm starting again, Mike, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm so lazy that I don't want to even edit this voice memo. Like, I don't even want to, like, chop. Like, I don't want to spend the two seconds it would take to edit down the voice memo. So that what I'm doing is I start it over so I can start talking the second it starts, which will save me a millisecond of time cutting it down. <laughs> I'm coughing now. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you just heard the intro from Bill me and Jessica from in the past and now I'm in the present and I'm joined by the lovely and handsome Mike KC, which I'm told I say incorrectly. Uh, hi, Jay Black. Uh, you, you can say it however you want. It's, it, it's okay. Mike, there, there is another Mike KC who is a firefighting comedian. Is he still doing comedy? I haven't seen him in years. I have not seen him in years. Did you bump him off? <laughs> I, I didn't. I, Did, I, I, have, I have no idea what happened to him. And you know, comedy, comedy is a world. We're, we're murdering someone because they have the same name as you. It's a little out there, but it's, it wouldn't be unheard of. That's <laughs> true. Like if, you, like if somebody came in and told me like, oh, Mike Casey got killed by Mike Casey because so they could save, have the same name, I'd be like, I get it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, that, that is why I changed my name from Karen Top to Mike Casey. Oh, yes. Well, that was your given name. But yes, yes. You were of the, uh, you were of the, uh, <laughs> the Rhode Island Karen Tops. Yes. Uh, you were of the East Egg Carrot Tops, not the West Egg Carrot Tops. Wait, which was the better one? Uh, I, I believe uh, 
steak was old money. Yes. Right. Okay. We're talking Great Gatsby here. So uh, now that everyone has left the podcast, Mike, we can just get down to brass tacks. You should know that what's going on right now is uh, the lovely and talented Mike Casey and I are driving back home from Stockton, where we just did our annual, we do a fundraiser for the Speech and Hearing Club. So those of you that are about to get angry at Mike's politics in the next uh, 30-odd minutes or so, just keep in mind, he just donated his time so that little children, little baby children can hear with their ear heads. No, their ear... Their ears, their ears in their head. I'll cut that part out. Okay. Uh, so, oh, and it, we're yeah, we're on. And yeah, Keen's yeah. in the car too. He spends every year uh, talking uh, at the. He does his little comedy at the show as well. I, and I don't know what. Oh, oh, it's on. It's on. You got to talk loud. Oh. Okay. Okay. Not okay. Weirdly, Keen, you're done talking too. We'll I, I want to talk. Though. But well, here's the thing. Uh, we brought Mike Casey on because uh, he, just judging from his T-shirt and his overall demeanor, and his, I gotta, I gotta say, surliness and willingness to believe in conspiracies, uh, <laughs> is a Bernie bro, which is like, you'd be surprised how much overlap that has with uh, Bill's Trumpism. Uh, all right. So the first thing about the whole Bernie bro narrative, number one, it's a okay. It's the, a, it's the a, fact that you just said narrative. I know where this is going, Beardy. Yeah. Okay. So, just so we're aware, uh, it, it, it is the reboot of the Obama boys uh, thing that they had that the Clintons were trying out in 2008 to try and delegitimize support of Obama. So, it, first of all, it's just uh, wait. Like, was that was that being done on uh, MySpace? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, these were. Oh, I remember the Obama boys on Friendster. <laughs> they were insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so, but here's the thing. Does it bother you? My first question. Does it yeah. bother you that you and Bill sound eerily alike? When he talks about Trump and you talk about Bernie, it sounds a lot to me like the same person is talking. Does that scare you in any way whatsoever? Not remotely. And and here's here's why. So, the entire attack that we see with the whole Bernie bro narrative is precisely because Bernie's actual policies are really popular and very hard to argue against. So people have to compare, they have to sort of conflate, you know, Trump supporters and Bernie supporters, but there's absolutely no overlap. I mean, excitement about Bernie is based on ideological uh, ideological similarities that, you know, we have with a candidate who actually is fighting for the working class, fighting for, you know, just basic human rights. You don't think on some level, though, that there's like, maybe not you, of course. You've got a right. beard. You've got a very dignified Marxist beard. Yes. But you don't think on some level there are people that identify with an iconoclast the same way that people identified with Trump and his sort of like shitting all over the establishment is fun for people and Trump shits on the establishment and Bernie shits on the establishment. Like there's some overlap there. You'd have to admit, right? Uh, not, not really. I mean, I mean, well, hold on. We're passing adult world on route 30 live new show, live new shows at adult world. There's only two cars there. So I assume one of the cars is the <laughs> nude person and the other car is just the person watching. How creepy. Anyway, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. no it's okay. It's okay. Keen, uh, did you see that? What? Oh, he put his headphone back on. All right, good. <laughs> what? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. No, I want to know. No, I, we're moving on. 
I'll tell you after the podcast. We're not moving on. It was a a nudity thing. I'll tell you after the podcast. All right. Mike, so tell me how you are exactly like a Trump supporter. Right, right, right. right, That's what you were saying. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Yeah, I I, I don't really see any similarity between the, the, the two groups of people because I think Bernie supporters are very willing to follow... Uh, you know, AOC, Ilan Omar, uh, you know, Rashida Tlaib, you know, other progressives, and they're, you know, willing to like, you know, I, I don't see the same thing around Trump. Like, you know, who, who are they, you know, they're all, it's not like. You mean the cult of personality right, extends yeah. to more personalities among the uh, the right. Bernie Bros. Right, because it's based more around you know ideology and, and and policy than it is around like you know what what definable issues does tr- does does Trump like what building a wall? Uh, well, no, his his issue is uh, I'm great and please recognize that. Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's so it's almost impossible to really figure out what he stands for. I mean, he can't even remember the script half the time, right? I, I mean, he had a meeting a couple months into his uh, presidency where they were talking with Paul Ryan, and he just kind of, like, spitballed, like, just threw out the, the the idea of universal health care for everybody. Like, he can't even remember the script for what he's supposed to be saying as part of his core beliefs. So it's not like he actually has any. Bernie, Bernie, Bernie has had consistent beliefs about civil rights, about human rights, about economic justice, about all these things for decades, and they, they haven't they haven't changed. That's that's why he has such a base because he's kind of he's the unicorn. He's the only one who you know we can really say that about. Well, I, I just the one thing I'll say is I and I've said this with Trump. You you have to admit that there is a strain. Of American belief, like somewhere deep seated in our heart of hearts, we kind of dig punk rock shit. Right. We kind of dig, like, I mean, every single one of our heroes is the guy that's like, I don't buy into any of this. Right. Right. So there's like a punk rock vein of in the American consciousness that I think Bernie and Trump both tap into, regardless of the, the, uh, because I feel it. Because, you know, I, I, I hate Trump. I'm not a fan of him at all. But, like, when he's pissing people off, there is a part of me that I'm I'm ashamed to say goes, yeah. Because I just like when people get pissed off about stuff. Right. Like, I just enjoy that. Yeah. So And I, I can't help but feel the same way about Bernie. Like, when people are losing their minds about, like, something that he said, there's a part of me that enjoys that because I'm an American and Americans like iconoclasts. Yeah, okay. I mean, in that they both exist outside of the mainstream and, and, and ruffle the feathers of people. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would say that I think that there is a certain, shall we say, Joe Rogan element that will, because I'm not sure, but I think if Bernie doesn't get the nomination, we might be hearing from Joe Rogan that he's voting Trump, right? I think that there's a Joe Rogan contingent in the world that does not necessarily care so much about. The issues is they do ruffling. They just like ruffling feathers. They just uh, do. All right, so that's where I disagree, and I, I think that's one of those like the Bernie Bro narratives that isn't quite true. And I, so in in two thousand eight, fifteen percent of uh, Clinton supporters ended up voting for McCain rather than voting for Obama. In twenty sixteen, twelve percent of Bernie supporters ended up voting for Trump uh, as opposed to voting for Clinton. Like the idea that. You know the the 
you know, the Bernie supporters are not going to support the, the Democrat. Like, it's, they're, they're just looking for somebody who's outside of the system isn't really accurate. Be- and the reason I say that is because, like, Bernie's very specific about what he's going after. Like, he, he it, he's not just, like, rattling the cage in order to, you know, just mess with the squares. Like, you know, he genuinely, he genuinely believes that, like, a fair, you know, working wage is something that would benefit society, right? Like that, 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 and that's, well, the, so and that's I just, the big difference. Real fast. Yeah. I just, cause I, I do feel like, so Donald Trump had the Senate and the House for the first two years. Right. And he had a lot of fakakta ideas. Right. And it was like, we're going to build the wall. We're going to, uh, first thing we're going to do is defund Obamacare. I believe at one point he said he's going to tame a wild moose and ride it uh, bareback, well, not, not even with a saddle. So, but he was stymied by the the institutions, right? I, I, I disagree entirely. What that he didn't get stuff done? Oh, he got a ton done. He got. Uh, I mean, his his judicial appointment. I mean, he got. Well, so, so many but the federal judges was like not. Like that was why the establishment Republicans wanted him in. Yeah, I mean the the, the tax cuts, uh, the mil- the military budget. I mean, right. Well, the tax cuts came second year. I'm talking about like that that first year when everybody was like, "What is his legislative achievements?" Right. You know the stuff that he talked about, the big time stuff he talked about. Okay. Not not the stuff that like Mitch McConnell was like ixnay on the udges, Jay. Because we're going to, like, just pass as many as possible underneath the nose of everybody. So, like, just let's just keep that between you and me. I'm talking about, like, the big, the build the wall stuff. All he did was scream build the wall. Then he couldn't build the wall. Right. How? And I'm asking this without an answer. I just want to know because you are a true believer here. If Bernie comes into, let's say, the current situation. Yeah. With a Democratic House and a uh, 53 to 47 Senate, right? How does anything get done? What does he do? How does he make things move from one end of the the uh, meat grinder to the other? Yeah, I, I mean that that is a, a difficult part of it, but I think having somebody at the top of the party who actually believes in something will change the dynamic of the party altogether. You know, having somebody who is in there who is willing to say. You know, we, we have to have, you know, basic working standards. We, we have to, you know, people have to have a living wage. You know, there, there, there has to be some dignity associated with work. Yeah, I, I, I think that changes the dynamic. But there are also, the president also has incredible power. You know, more than he should. Oh, uh, absolutely. But I, I, I think if you were willing to say as a president that I am drastically going to change the imperial scope of American foreign policy uh, and, you know, the military-industrial complex is, is now going to have to, you know, uh, you know, they will not be bringing in the same type of money. Our military budget's going to be incredibly constrained. I'm going to veto any spending bill that comes through here that doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, you know, Medicare, uh, Medicare for all, something like that. So, but okay, but you know that that's going to cause a shutdown. Uh, oh, totally. But that's, okay. what, what I'm saying is, if you have somebody who has that power and is willing to, and is willing to use that power for good, uh, you know, why, why, why would I be against that? I well, I guess, I guess my question is, and and I think that this is if. If we're living in any kind of real world, right? 
if we have a president, Bernie Sanders, sure, there's going to be a compromise at some point. There just has to be. That he's going to say it should be $15 national minimum wage. I'm not going to sign a spending bill that doesn't have that included. And the Republicans are going to come back and they're going to 12. And he'll go, okay, better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, I, the moment that Bernie says better than nothing. Right. What does that do to his sort of true believer support system? Do they go with him on that or do they go, hey, man, you're a sellout like everybody else? Uh, well, I mean, that that supposes that he would be willing to go with an incremental solution. But he'd have to, though. But why, why does he have to? He turned down the USMCA because it, it didn't it didn't uh, address climate change at all. Because I, if he doesn't, then what we do is we shut down. And if you think that the Republicans are going to move, I think that they have the last 40 years of Republicanism saying that we're not going to budge. And, you know, the fact that Obama was able to get the MCA through was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle. Wait, Trump got that through. The, I'm sorry, Obamacare. I apologize. Yeah. The fact that uh, he was able to get Obamacare through was a miracle. It wasn't really. I mean, we had we we had the supermajority, and 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 even know, then, it was it almost failed because of the politics of the way things are put together. So when a president Bernie Sanders is looking at like month nine of a sh- government shutdown. Like, is it? Do we applaud him for going? Like, I'm not going to sign a, anything. Right, but but Obama, Obama wasn't a progressive. Obama's a centrist. Obama is in the the Clinton. Wing uh, forget the forget about that. I'm just saying, like, the the only way he could get it through was through compromise. No, but I'm saying I'm saying Obama. I I, I don't for a second believe that he was looking for a Bernie style plan. And if he wanted to hold out and use the bully pulpit of the presidency to get that, do I think he could have? Absolutely. I, I, I don't. I have no doubt in my mind about it that that he could have done that. He, he, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he couldn't have. I, I just. Uh, I just think like I know, and this might just be like forty-three years of cynicism pouring right. through my veins. But like, here's what I see: President Sanders says, "I'm not going to do anything till you do all my ideas." Yeah. And then the government shuts down, and then uh, a supermajority of Republicans are elected in the midterms because there's always a bounce back. But if the government shut down for two years and everybody blames Sanders, you're going to see how centrist this country is and how angry they are. And then he's a lame duck, nothing happens, and the country is actually pushed further right by the fact that nothing got done when we put in that populist. Right, but the one thing you're forgetting is that his his plans are actually incredibly popular. Uh, you know, basic things like a $15 minimum, uh, $15 an hour minimum wage, right? You know, $60,000 a year for every teacher in America. Uh, you know, uh, even without Medicare for all, like a lot of his plans are, uh, and you can look at the polling data. He, uh, but far and away, he has the most popular plans in America. Agreed. But and I'm, are, I like them. I like right, the plans. Right. But people are, are genuinely worried about his electability. If he were to get into that office and be able to, you know, get that message out to people, I, I, I think it would be pretty difficult for politicians to say, uh, yeah, well, you know, the military contractors in my district are demanding that I make sure that, uh, you know, I put, you know, you know, I... How do I put this? Uh, you know, I, I think it would be very difficult for Cong- you know, congressmen and, and senators to go back to their constituents and say that they are, you know, against them getting a living wage at the behest of their donors. See, but they've been able to do that for 
you know, a hundred years. I mean, what what Democrats have really been progressives? What since FDR? I mean, they they've been neoliberal, you know, free market capitalists pretty much since the Reagan administration. You know, I, I mean, the Clintons did more with free trade to hollow out the middle class than almost any other Republican administration has done. The Democrats haven't fought for the working class. I mean, how would we? How would we even know? It's so, they, they've become I, the party of Wall Street and free trade. So. I, guess, I guess my question. I mean, at least when it comes to Bernie, I used to say this about feminism, uh, which is I think every man starts out as a feminist until they meet a feminist, okay. and and then they're like, well, okay, I'm out. Right. And, and what I mean by that is, I think that, and of course, I'm being reductive. Don't don't tweet at me, everybody. I'm being reductive. What I mean is that I think part of the reason why there are so many disaffected people on everything regarding every gender uh, identity issue, on on feminism, on the economy, on everything, is because the language that we speak is so angry. Right. Right? So, like, if you tell somebody, hey, every thought you had on this is because you're a dope, right. then the, my, the, most people don't go, oh, oh, I should change my... Th- you're right. I'm a dope. I'll stop being one. They they dig in deeper. Right. Right. And I feel like there might be a lack of diplomacy in Bernie that might be like, it's funny when he's a senator and he's sort of like the rascally, like, no, I'm not signing that. Right. But then when he becomes president, it might be a turnoff to people, even when he's fighting for their rights. Does that make sense? It, it, it does, but I don't know that people are necessarily against the things he like he when he argues for you know economic justice or you know basic health care you know you know education like these aren't things that people are against they just don't have a way to get them but the second the republicans start saying well this is socialism like how do you combat that because socialism is is a dirty word among americans i mean i i must frame all of this by saying I want everything that he's doing. Right. I just, I guess it's like we're sitting there and he's the real smart kid in class and he's whispering to me and I'm like, let's get the good looking kid to say all this. Right. Like, like, like you should be president, but you're not going to be. So let's get the good looking kid to believe all the stuff that you believe and say it in a way that makes the class happy. Like, do you hear what I'm saying? Like that, that makes sense to me. And I'm just, I haven't heard an argument to, to disavow me of that thought. Yeah, but that is part of Bernie's charm, right? We he isn't the the pretty messenger who is you know who's bringing uh, you know this uh, focus group tested uh, you know tagline to to get us to follow whatever his ideas are, right? Like I think that's why Mayor Pete really has, has fizzled out so badly because he is that very you know neat clean, prepackaged candidate who feels like he came out of a lab, um, which, to be fair, he, he might have, uh, he might have come out of some Langley CIA lab, uh, you know, as we know, they do enjoy overthrowing leftist governments, and Bernie's as close as the United States has gotten to one, and, uh, I don't know, since the, uh, the Roosevelt administration, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that is part of Bernie's charm, he's, he's willing to say, uh, you know, no, you know, he's willing to say, uh, you know, I, I disagree with you. He's willing to give uh, a plan uh, or he's, he's willing to give an, an explanation that has warts. Not everything is perfectly 
you know, perfectly put together and thought out. But it, it comes from the heart. And it, but it also comes from a long history of espousing the this, this same ideas, this, this, the very same, uh, you know, the sort of guiding moral principles that make up a lot of his, you know, political world. All right. Mike, I appreciate this conversation. I feel like we should probably start wrapping it up because there's only... you got to remember that the average age of the person who listens to NJ1015, 109 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, their attention span, they've fallen asleep. I mean, the ones that haven't fallen asleep are waiting to fall asleep. Right, right. So I guess I'll ask you this final question because this is a question I ask Trump fans. Okay. What could Bernie do to stop for you to stop supporting him sex scandal you find out that he's been grabbing boobs he shouldn't grab are you out on bernie uh i would be out on bernie if he were to uh that's a good one uh let's say you he, he secretly owns a starbucks and pays them lower than minimum wage out on bernie no i will I, number one he wouldn't do that I'm just saying, if he did, that's I'm trying to figure out what is the line because I feel I feel like with Trump fans, there is no line. Right. I feel like there is nothing that could possibly happen, and even if something did happen, they would just say that wouldn't happen. Like right. if you if you heard that Trump secretly was like rubbing coronavirus on random guests at Mar-a-Lago, right? Like you'd be like, the average Trump fan would go, that's not true, and if it is, it's still not true. Okay. Um, so when we look at the Obama administration, uh, and you look at some of the things he was doing in terms of foreign policy, right? Like, uh, you know, the whole Snowden thing, uh, you know, a lot of the drone, you know, Jeremy Scahill did a whole thing about, uh, you know, dirty wars and, you know, uh, you know, the drone wars that he had going on. And by the uh, way, my least favorite Star Wars episode, the drone wars, (laughs) Um, if if uh, Sanders were to come into office and continue the sort of you know um, imperial American uh, you know military presence worldwide, where we don't really care about you know drone striking a wedding somewhere, uh, I, I that would be incredibly disappointing. Um, so know. what what about a uh, Trump style grab him by the bleep tape that like Access Hollywood? Bernie's on Access Hollywood. And he's talking to what's his name? Who's the guy that uh, Trump? Bush. Yeah, uh, yeah, the the one of the one of the lesser Bushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, when you star, they let you do it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, I, I, you know what? I believe that uh, that sex is just like everything else. Everybody should share in it. And you are a greedy capitalist if you keep it all to yourself. So I grab it and I give it to other people and I take it. For, I take a little bit. For, I take a little taste for Bernie. Yeah, uh, are I, you are you out on Bernie then? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, sexual assault is a pretty good reason to uh, abandon any candidate. Yeah, of course. It, it, you you can't have it another way. Sure. Okay, I'm just curious because I I this is my first chance to talk to a Bernie bro that I was not a hundred percent sure wasn't a Russian bot. <laughs> so I just I like to take my opportunity to find out where the limits are because yeah. yeah I I find myself because I am. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a neoliberal. I find myself detached from my candidate. So, like, I don't care. Like, if, if like, Joe Biden, it turns out that, you know, he secretly has an aquarium full of, like, 
weird thalidomide half babies that he forces a, a farm of women to create for him. Right. I'm out on Joe Biden. Like, I don't go like, oh, no, what do we do now? Right. It's just, I'm like Ariana Grande. Thank you, next. But I feel like there is a certain level of, like, love that happens for these candidates well, where they can't let go regardless of what comes out about them. Okay, so here, here's a supply, uh, a supply and demand explanation about why the socialist candidate is so beloved. Um, supply is incredibly low of Bernie, uh, which is why demand is so high. There's a million Joe Bidens, right? There are a million conservative Democrats who were friendly with segregationists and who voted for the Iraq war and worked for banks and, you know, I mean, did all of these things that, you know, really, when you look back on it, are incredibly offensive, right? Now, not all of them, you know, led, uh, you know, the in the you know Anita Hill hearings, right? Not all of them uh, bragged about wanting to cut Medicaid, and Medicare, and Social Security. Okay, so Joe Biden does stand out in that regard, but there are a million Joe Bidens. There's only one Bernie Sanders, and the people who are even close to him also have deep flaws, right? Like you know Elizabeth Warren has clearly has uh, a number of flaws and I think that's been exposed in this primary. I think Sherrod Brown is a really interesting candidate, but you know there are things, you know, he doesn't support Medicare for all, things like that even though I really like him. You know, he's not Bernie. Tammy Baldwin is very progressive. I like her, but she's not quite Bernie. You know, so there it, it's a supply and demand thing, I, right? I, I will I will I have to point out the irony of using supply and demand to talk about why you want a socialist president. Absolutely. You do yeah. feel that. I brought it up at the beginning. All right. yeah. I'm just saying. Absolutely. All right, Mike Casey, you're a wackadoo, but I love you. Uh, and uh, I, I say to Bill, Bill, it's your move. Where are you on uh, Bernie? And uh, do you? I, 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 I'm still going to say. I feel like you and you and Bill sound a lot alike to me, and maybe that's just you know my problem. Uh, but we'll have to continue this story at another time. You are beloved on this podcast, Mike. Is there anything that you are uh, uh, plugging? Nothing, nothing. Ne- next show, whenever I'm I'm coming back and doing a show with you, please mark your calendars now. March of 2021, President <laughs> President Bernie Sanders will be celebrated with Mike at the Stockton. Uh, speech and hearing club in Stockton, New Jersey. Thanks for listening to the uh, speaking podcast. Uh, this is number one of three interviews that we'll be doing. Our next interview is uh, with Joel Richardson, who runs the Soul Joel's Comedy Club. And then we have Brian Herzlinger, filmmaker, Brian Herzlinger. Maybe he's got some like really hot and heavy stuff to talk about. And we got to see if it's too hot for uh, for radio. But we'll have to, you'll have to stick around and see cliffhanger do you see me doing radio stuff mike yeah it's a cliffhanger all right thanks for being on the show mike keen glad that you did not hear most of that and uh we'll be back next week with more speaking podcasts follow me jay black is funny j-a-y-b-l-a-c-k-i-s-f-u-n-n-y the speaking podcast brought to you by our friends at house of cupcakes serving you in princeton east brunswick clifton and saudi arabia the winner of cupcake wars offers 35 different flavors perfect for a special occasion or just a sweet treat house of the speaking podcast is brought to you by our friends at flemington car and truck country 16 brands of cars and trucks i'm a loyal customer buying my last two trucks there and can tell you no one beats the deals or offers better service visit flemington.com
The Speaking Podcast brought to you by our friends at Casa Gennaro's on Route 27 in Kingston. Call 609-683-1212 for reservations. They're open for dinner every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Ask for my favorite special, the Veal Spadia. Best Italian food in Jersey.